Heavenly Father, we are, we are here, but some of us aren't really here. My prayer is for those who are here this morning who would rather be somewhere else. For those who are, whose attention is being drawn somewhere else because of a worry or a concern. Father, we pray that you would silence all of our anxiety, all of our worry, and all those voices that are competing for our attention at this moment. We pray that you would help us to be present to you, to your living word, and to the message that you have for each one of us this morning. And so we pray that the meditations of our heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, recently I started riding my bike. Now I know we all learn to ride our bike, you know, when we're kids. Usually it's our parent or our older brother or older sibling who teaches us how to ride a bike. So you know what they say, when you learn to ride your bike once, you could just, you know, it's just like riding a bike, right? You just get back on there and you learn. So I've recently, I, um, I've recently started riding like longer distances, right? Not, not that long, but you know, from the Anaheim Stadium to Huntington Beach, which is about a 25 or 26 mile ride, which isn't that big of a deal, right? But here's what happens. I mean, I go really slow if that helps. The pastor at Costa Mesa, he does it in like half the time that I do, so here's some humbleness on my side. And um, so one of the things that I've noticed when I ride those long distances, one of the things that I was taught by people who know how to ride better than I do is make sure that you take either that you eat well before or that you take snacks with you. And usually it's those sports snacks or whatever because you get hungry and you're burning a lot of calories because you're, I think it's like a thousand calories during that hour and a half ride that I do. And so I could, I could use the, to burn a couple extra calories, but you still get hungry and you don't want to get stranded. So we take snacks with us. And one of the things that happens is if I don't eat well enough, either beforehand or in the middle of the ride, at the end of it, I always drive home past a Burger King. <laughs> Listen, the Whoppers are only 500 calories, so I'm still like ahead of the game. <laughs> but here's what happens. I get so hungry sometimes and all I can think about is the food that I want to eat. Now sometimes, and oftentimes, I know that if I can get home, I can prepare something that's going to be a lot healthier for me, right? Less fat, less carbs, less all the sugars, less the bad stuff that we don't want to be putting in our bodies. But almost every single time, I am tempted to stop by that Burger King because I can get it right away. I can get it, I can taste it, and by the time I drive like the three miles it takes to get home, I can be full and feeling happy. I think Bob says, fat, dumb, and happy, right? <laughs> See, that's what happens too with our spiritual life, I think. We're spiritually hungry, right? The Bible tells us that God has put eternity or has set eternity in your hearts which means that we have a sense that there is something deeper, something more eternal and more long-lasting than just the things that are in front of us. But I think just like this example of mine, we do that with life. We want to feel happy instantly. We want to feel joy. We want to be fulfilled and filled. So what a lot of us do is we just go after the first thing that promises to make us happy, right? So we go after the first relationship. We go after the things we want to buy on credit. We go after the first job that gives us, uh, returns our call because we know that we just need a job. We get married. All sorts of things we do because we think that they're going to bring happiness to us. But the reality is, is that before anything can bring any sort of joy or happiness to us, there is that deeper level of our soul 
that deep, that deepness, that spirituality that only Christ can satisfy our hunger. You know, it's interesting because there's, um, when I was writing this last week, I think it was Thursday afternoon, um, and, and if you've ever been by Anaheim Stadium or Angel Stadium, or if you've ever, I know some of you ride your bikes along the river trail, um, some of you won't ride towards the beach, you ride away from the beach. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of these homeless settlements underneath the bridges. Like, there's tons of them, and I'm talking, like, elaborate, like, settlements and camps. They have tents, they have decorations, they have, they have a ton of bike frames, which I don't know how they got, <laughs> you know. But here's what I found this week. There was a, there was a young man, he wasn't a young guy, he was probably my age, and um, he was on his bike. He looked like a cyclist, unlike me, and he was, like, fit, tall, thin, you know. He had all of the awesome gear and the nice bike. You know, it's funny because sometimes I'm there and I'm looking at these other guys with these really expensive bikes, like I don't, you know, and I'm like, I'm just coveting them. And I forget that there are people along the bridge and along the river that are just wanting food. So I see this, this guy in his awesome gear, and then I saw him stop and talking to, a, to one of the homeless people, and he reaches into his backpack and I think he hands him some water. And then when I came back around, because there's like a little loop to cross, to cross over, he was handing them what looked like food. And it was just judgment on my part. Because it's a reminder that I think that I want all of these other things that are going to probably make me a little bit happier. And this guy is here giving away to people that need more than I do. So I rode one way and I started to ride back because I needed to go back to my car. And I saw this same gentleman stopping at the next little settlement and giving them more food and more water. And, you know, it's a reminder not just to always be, not, not only to not covet and envy, but to live out of a place of service and of generosity and of gratitude, but it also reminded me, especially for this sermon, that Jesus is the bread of life. It was a reminder of something that one of my classmates told me, the very first preaching class I ever had at La Sierra. I was nervous, and preaching classes are set up in a way where you're going to be really nervous because everyone is there to tell you what you're doing wrong. Now, they always start off by saying nice things like, hey, great passage that you picked out, or great story that you told, and then they go and they tell you all the things you could have done better. So you're already really nervous. And the one student, one of my classmates said, just remember that preaching is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And as, and as I saw this gentleman just giving food to these people who are in more need than we are, it was a reminder that people aren't just physical food that feeds our, our bodies, but I think the humanity is also hungry for the deeper life. And that's what we're talking about. I need to open to John chapter 6. And um, there is no PowerPoint today because I want us to open the Bibles that are in front of us. I will be reading from the New International Version because that's what the red Bibles are in the pew in front of you. And, um, but you can follow along with any version. We're going to look at two passages, like two short stories, and then um, we're going to tie it up together. So here's where we are. John chapter 6, verse 22. Jesus had gone from one side of the lake to the other, and this is where the story picks up. The next day, the crowd had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples but that they had gone away alone. So this is the story. You can read the few verses beforehand where Jesus walks on water, but we're not focusing on that today. Verse 23, Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had eaten the bread, where they had eaten 
the bread had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that Jesus nor his disciples were there where they had eaten the bread, 5,000 people, Jesus had fed 5,000 people, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them, verse 26, I tell you the truth, you are not looking for me, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus had just finished feeding, well, the Bible says 5,000 men. What that tells us in, in, in today is that it was 5,000 men, that's who counted in society in the first century, but there was probably a lot more women and children as well, or children that, you know, under the age of probably, I think it was like 16 or something like that. So Jesus fed thousands. The people came up to the place where they had seen Jesus because they believed if they went back to this place, they would find more food. So yes, Jesus was speaking about the deeper spiritual realities of life, but Jesus also met their physical needs. Jesus wasn't just interested in teaching them the gospel, but he was interested in meeting them where they were and filling the needs that they had. And so they go and they look for Jesus because they said, if we had this experience with Jesus there, we are going to keep going back there because they assumed that if they went back to that place, that they would have the same experience with Jesus. But what we know is that Jesus is experienced in so many different ways. You know, we come to church because we experience Jesus in a much deeper and fulfilling way when we gather together. But Jesus isn't only experienced in this building, amen? No, Jesus is experienced all over the place as long as you are willing and open to experience Jesus. I just heard one of our elders this morning say this, and I like it, so I'm going to quote him. He was quoting someone else. But he said, there's this preacher who says, I never pray for half an hour, right? Because we think that the longer we pray, the more holy we are, the more God loves us. But he says, I, don't, I, I never pray for half an hour, but there's never a half hour that goes by that I don't pray. I think it's something like that. And it's the idea that we always want to have this openness towards the Spirit of God. We always want to have the spirit of curiosity and openness to what God is trying to teach us. You see, when we pray our prayers, you know, Father, our Heavenly Father, or when we call God Father, for us in 2016, that's like, oh yeah, that's how everyone's supposed to pray. But for people in the Bible times, like in Old Testament and then in the New Testament, Jesus had to teach them to pray, my Father who is in heaven. Jesus had to give the believers permission to be able to use a word of intimate relationship that one has with a parental figure. And so the true, the, the true task of our Christian faith and our walk is to continually be open to receiving the of God. See, God wants to give the very best of God's self to us, but so many times we just look towards other things to bring fulfillment to our lives. And so John, 20, John 6, 27 says this. So Jesus is like, you guys are here. Like Jesus, you know, it's one of those funny things where like we think of Jesus as like one of the, you know, he's like walking on air and he's always so soft-spoken. But he, first of all, in verse 26, he says, look, I like you're not here because of me. You're here because you want more food. And then he says this, do not work for food that spoils, 
Another translation says, do not work for food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will sell to you. Is that what it says? Work for the bread that endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will trade for you. Work for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. They could have used any word they wanted to when they were writing the Bible. They could have used any word, but what the Bible writers use and what God inspires them to use is the word give. It has a connotation of a, the one giving a gift to someone. And Jesus says, look, don't, like, yeah, you want bread and you're going after bread and loaves and all that stuff. He says, but don't wait. And, and it's not, he's not saying, like, not to work, okay? So this is not a Bible verse that says, see, I don't have to work. God's going to take care of me. But what do we do eight hours a day? What do most people do eight hours a day? Monday through Friday. What do you do? Hey, you go to work. So really, but yeah, some people spend more time working. Others don't spend as much time working. Like pastors only work one day a week, so. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Can I just a side joke? People always say, I love this when I'm like having lunch with someone and the person will say like, yeah, I always have someone, someone always like, you know, like, uh, you know, my niece or my daughter or my sister or whoever always asks, I wonder what the pastor does all week. What they're really saying is tell me what you do all week. So I, <laughs> I love being a pastor, by the way. Okay. Um, but here's what he is saying. Here's what he's saying about don't work for food that perishes. He says, if you're working all day long, he says, don't spend your life chasing things that will not last. Do not spend your life going after things that will rust and that will be destroyed. Do not spend your life chasing meaningless things. On an almost weekly basis, what is the only thing you get to take into eternity? Character. Character but only you get to go, and who else? All the other people that are believers. The only thing that lasts for all eternity. Not your house, not your car, not your career, not your title. Nothing lasts into eternity except for you and the relationships that you have built. And so what Jesus is really saying is he says, don't chase after the things that you think are going to bring you happiness. You see, that's why I started the sermon this morning with I always want to go for that, you know, the Whopper with cheese right after my rides because it's going to satisfy me instantly. You see, we do that with our spirituality, and Jesus says, don't chase after the things that aren't really going to bring you fulfillment. Chase after the things that will endure into eternal life, and your relationship with God will endure until eternity, and your relationship with each other. So Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now remember, because Jesus, and this is like deeply theological, the fact that God places his seal of approval on Jesus, and then later Jesus says that all authority on earth has been given to him, 
what this is teaching you and me this morning, it is a reminder that it's not you who gets necessarily sealed on your assurance of salvation, but it's Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who is worthy of giving salvation. But if you believe, and we're going to see here in just a moment, but if you have placed your faith in Christ, then you too are vicariously sealed with the gift of salvation. The entire book of Scripture is about a man who was innocent, Jesus, who lays his life down for you, someone who is guilty of sin. And now when God sees you, he no longer sees you as you are, but God sees the very best version of who you are, and that is the version that has Christ living in you. Now, I know that sounds like, what? Like, if you're our guest or if you're not really a Christian, you're just like, you see, this is why I don't like coming to church because they start saying things like, Jesus is in me, but I don't feel him. I don't understand it. That's okay. None of us do. We just, that's the words that we use to understand that God somehow lives within us. And all of the things that are happening in our lives are as a result of God doing good works in your life doesn't mean that everything is always good. I'm always reminded. I'm always reminded of this. It's like, yeah, yeah, David, like, yes, but there's a lot of really bad things that happen to people as well. And so the answer that we give to those of you who have gone through painful and suffering experiences is that it may not be God who did that to you, but we do believe that God can help to get you through it. Because we all live in what we call this victorious limp in this life. Bad things will happen. Disease will overcome you. Breakups and divorces, firings, all of the bad things that happen to non-believers will happen to believers as well. The difference is that we are given the hope that regardless of what's happening, God will get us through it. Verse 28 says this, Then they asked him, Well, what must we do to do the works that God requires, all right? So now, again, this is our very human nature saying, okay, we want this bread that lasts for eternal life. We want this. Tell us the works that we must perform. Tell us, give us the list. Give us the guideline of what we must do. And here's, okay, so Jesus is given the opportunity to give us the list of what you must do, right, to have this eternal life. And Jesus answers them, okay. The work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. Period, end of quote. The work of God is to believe in the one whom he sent. We've spent about three months going through the eight statements of Jesus when he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. We didn't do that just for fun. Well, we did do it for fun. For this guy's fun. I love, I love this work. <laughs> but we did it because we believe that eternal life begins with getting to know who Christ is. Because we believe that Jesus is the perfect representation and the perfect revelation of who God is. And the Bible tells us that eternal life is getting to know Christ and getting to know God. And one of the ways that we get to know God is by getting to know who Jesus was, what he said about himself, what he said about others, and what he said about how to live. And so when he has asked the question, teach us to do the works that God requires, Jesus says, believe in me. Believe in the one who sent. Now, for us, for some of you, you're like, easy, done. But for others, belief isn't so easy. For others, belief is hard because we look around the world and we see all of the 
devastating things that happen, and people will say, I don't believe in God because of all the bad things that happen. Well, that's a bad reason to not believe in God. Because bad things are going to happen. Right? So believing in God isn't always the easiest thing to do for people who have gone through really difficult situations in their lives. The problem, I think, is that people have this view of God as this cosmic Santa Claus, who he is supposed to do only good things, I mean, that only good things are supposed to happen in our lives, and God is supposed to stop every bad thing from happening. But the Bible writers, they don't write about that. The Bible writers, you know what they say about suffering and tribulation and tough times? That they build endurance and character. That the difficulties of the, that we face in our lives, we are building our character and how we, our faith grows and how our faith and our relationship to God is formed. So let's just keep reading. I don't think I'm going to get to the second story. So let's just finish this one. So they asked him, so okay, Jesus answers them. They didn't like the question, so then they ask again. This is kind of what we do, right? Like, God, tell us what we have to do, and we don't want to do that, so we're like, no, no, for reals, for reals, God, tell us what we really have to do. What if I do all these other things? So they say, so they asked him, well, what miraculous sign, then, will you give to us that we may see it and believe in you? They had just been fed. More than 5,000 people had been fed. Jesus had walked on water the night before, not to mention turning water into wine and raising the dead, right? Healing sick people. Jesus had already done a ton of things. And so they asked, okay, we'll believe in you, Jesus, but show us something awesome. Really what they were saying is, give us more food. What will you do? And he says, our forefathers they ate manna in the desert. That was from two weeks ago. If you weren't here, the sermon should be up on our website. But he says, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it's written in the Bible, it says that he, God, gave them bread from heaven to eat. Right? So they're saying, show us something special. Show us like some amazing, miraculous thing. Because you know what? Our forefathers, when they came out of Egypt, God gave them manna or this bread from heaven. And here's Jesus' response in verse 32. He says, I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, yeah, God provided for them then, but God is giving something even more meaningful and powerful. So here again, they don't understand. Like we often don't understand. Verse 34. They said, Sir, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. You see, they kept, they kept thinking that God was supposed to act in certain ways. They kept thinking that God was going to show up and that Jesus was going to show up in particular ways. And so they kept wanting to go back to the place where they were fed. That's where the story starts. They wanted to go back where Jesus was because that's where they were going to experience Jesus. But Jesus says, I have been myself and I have been giving myself to you all this time. He says, you guys look for physical food and you, pay, and you go after things that perish, but I am giving you something that will last to eternal life. I am giving you myself. And if you just accept the gift that I'm giving you, he says in verse 36, in verse 35, he who comes to me, if you just accept it, will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
But as I told you, you have seen and still you do not believe that, the, that what the Father gives me will wait. And all the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away. He's talking about us. God will never drive you away if you come to him. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of God who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but to raise you up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, which is Jesus, and believes in Jesus shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus repeats the words, I am the bread of life, two more times in this passage because they refuse to accept that what Jesus says is true. You see, when you go home and you think, well, well, you know, because here's the thing, like, here's something that's dangerous for us to do, which I think we all do. I can give you a list of all the things that, I, that are, I can give you a list of all of my temptations and my sins. I won't do it because then you'll judge me, but I can do that. <laughs> And my list may look different than Bob's list, may look different than Brian's list, may look different than all of your lists, okay? We all have a list. Here's what happens. When you focus on all of the shortcomings that you have, does it make you happy? Anyone? When you look at all of the, all of the sins in your life and all of the shortcomings, instead of, it doesn't make us happy, it makes us feel worse about ourselves, Right? You're like, I am such a sinner. I am so horrible. God can never love a sinner like me. That's why belief is so hard. Because we have a hard time believing that God can love a sinner like me. And it might be true. But you see, Jesus loves all of his, or God loves all of his children. And as believers, we have this gift that is in Christ Jesus, that it is Jesus who gives us this life that will go on into eternity. And the work that God requires of you isn't to give all your money, isn't to be at church 15 minutes before the pastor gets here. The work of God isn't to be involved in every single ministry. We want you to be involved in every single ministry, but that's not what God requires. The work of God is for you to continue to develop your faith in God. And the way that your faith continues to grow is through reading scripture and through reading who Jesus is. It's through prayer. It's through devotionals. It's through listening to music that's uplifting. But it's also through the act of serving other people. It's also through being a blessing to others and living a life of generosity. You see, it's hard sometimes to believe in God because of all the bad things we see. So Jesus gives us one simple instruction. He says, believe in him who God has sent. Because here's the thing. If you work your whole life to build your belief and your faith in God, it's not just going to stay up here, but it's going to translate with your hands. And so the more and the, the closer you get to God and the more your faith develops, the more God will continue to use you. And our discipleship is about going outside of ourselves to help other people. You see, the closer you get to God, God is going to instruct you. God's going to tell you what God needs you to do. And so that's why Jesus says, if you, if you truly build up your faith, like not just memorize Bible verses, okay? Because anyone can memorize the Bible. But if you're truly and humbly coming before God, God will then instruct you how you are to live 
your life. And instead of just focusing on your sins, you're going to focus on all the good things that God can do through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want this bread. So with our minds and with our voices, Lord, we know that Jesus is the bread of life, but we pray that you would teach us that in our everyday life, that we would come to you, that we would take from you, so that we will be your witnesses to all those around us. In your name we pray. Amen.